You're listening to a Glasgow Women's Library podcast. This is part of our 21 Revolutions programme, celebrating two decades of changing minds at Glasgow Women's Library. For more information on the library, our 21 Revolutions programme, or any of our other work, visit our website at womenslibrary.org.uk. I'm Elizabeth Reeder. I am a writer and I also teach writing at the University of Glasgow on the Creative Writing Program. I came across the kind of fictionalized subject of the story as a woman named Mary McCallum Webster, and she lived in Mauritius and was a botanist. And the artist Amanda Thompson had found her memorial or heard about her memorial in Culbin Forest and had thought about the Women's Library because they're doing part of the, one of the projects is on memorials. And she told me about Mary McCallum Webster, and I was very intrigued. And we went to Colvin Forest, and we also went to the Algon Museum and saw some of her pressings. And in the forest, we had to search for it, but we found her memorial, and we also found the wintergreens. And Amanda took pictures and did things, and I took notes and just figured out how I felt in that spot and had a couple images that ended up in the pieces. And in the Women's Library, I looked at the Women of Mori book, which actually comes out of the Algon Museum and met one of the women who contributed to it. And also from the other library, I got out uh, the Maury book and also Mary McCallum Webster's own book, which is called, I think, something like The Flora of Invernessshire, which is amazing. She was a really clear, beautiful writer. And the story's fiction, but it takes her life as inspiration. This is a small collaboration with Amanda Thompson. Her print is The Wintergreen, and she has an artist book as well. Every day, winter green. Each day, sunrise. Breathe, walk, rest. She wakes early in the summer, never quite dark. Rises and gets ready for morning, noon, night. Each day, she sleeps. All the hours between are full of work. She walks 100 miles a week during the temperamental Scottish summer and carries a rucksack, probably lined with something waterproof, for the day may hold any sort of weather at all, and often brings more than one season on the wind, or beating down as rays of the sun or as vertical rain. Expect any weather here any day, every day, and nothing halts her walking, her gathering. The essentials are carried, a notebook, a flask, a small camera, bags to hold and protect the plat specimens, these delicate flowers gathered as proof of this life and of these living things. As she walks, she thinks of the photographer M.E.M. herself, who back in the 1900s traveled with her self-fashioned go-anywhere cart she named Green Maria. It was a wooden box on wheels with leather handles. She took it throughout the highlands and it moved where she moved and held her camera and all her equipment and provisions. Hardy, purpose-built, by her own hands, and no nonsense. She didn't sell the idea or copyright it or brag about it. She built what she needed and used it every day. Another word for this is utilitarian, the practical beauty of usefulness. Our botanist walks lightly, carrying her rucksack, and tries to be untraceable. Don't announce your footfall, it'll scare the natives, spook up the birds, or make the dough bound off. Leave nothing behind, for although this is your home, the land does not belong to you, and in this environment, plants can take a long time to take root. They, too, can scare easily. Each day she wakes, walks, rests. Last night she threw away the cork of the whiskey bottle, laughing, saying to her companion, We won't be needing that again! 
and they hadn't needed the cork or the tent, and they'd slept on thin mats beneath the stars, and now she has a full day ahead. This woman here, waking up, making coffee over an open fire, does not complain or worry or brag. She walks, observes, gathers. In other seasons or on other days of rest back at home in the small Moorisher town, she shapes her hedges into an entrance archway and she arranges flowers and plants into wild assortments, pressing bright weeds next to rarities, and she often fastens them to driftwood or found slashes of bark. A few lucky souls come across her creations and buy them for a small price to take home and put on their mantle. Pressing and drying the plants she gathers, she then mounts them simply with tape on large pages, neatly notated. She writes, too, meticulously researched notes and articles and books. Her writing is small and clearly written. The audacious plants create the poetry. Botany is no different from any other field of knowledge, not really. There's often no distinguishing the common from the rare at first, and only familiarity brings awareness of subtlety. On one hill in the Cairngorms, the common Welsh poppy, which usually flowers yellow, blooms orange. She notes this variation, such a pretty color here, and she looks for its path to this place. Plants travel by wind, or with the delivery of cold, or a load of brash, or they may escape from a garden, and once they are displaced, they adapt. These adaptations can only be spotted if you know this flower from other places and remember it, recall it. Scotland can be a difficult place to survive in. The climate is tough, the kind seasons are brief, the harsher weather fronts tend to linger, and the life of plants is generally short owing to the disturbances caused by the great spates and inclement environments. It's a place full of everyday surprises, and this woman records many rarities. Shining cranesbill, bloody cranesbill, rough clover licorice, knotted clover, narrow-leafed water parsnip, bog pimpernel, skullcap, pellitory of the wall, herb paris. Of all Scotland's plants, one is this woman's favorite, Monessis uniflora, the one-flowered wintergreen. It is a flower you always seem to happen upon by chance, even if it's being sought out. Tiny, only the height of a tall blade of grass, its stem bends with the weight of its single heavy bloom. Its white face is open only to the ground, its petals sturdy and protective like the wings of a bird as it soars. It's almost shocking how it stands out once you notice it. The white of the bloom against the fallen pine needles is abrupt and striking like a gannet flying above the sea and caught in a snatch of sun against a darkening sky. The highest moments, mountains she walks are considered alpine, and then in the Cromalt zone, plants are smaller and bent. On the coasts, trees and plants often lean away from the repeated force of the prevailing wind. And in bogs, too, a pine's growth is thwarted, and these thin trees grow thinner and shorter, more gnarled, just as they were where a forest has been planted in sand. East of Inverness and Morayshire, there's a place like this, and it is called Culban. Culbin is a favorite haunt, and in the dunes, sea marm grows with long underground roots that binds the sand and leaves that roll up to prevent evaporation. And you'll find lime grass and sand couch grass too, all term xerophytes, because they are plants tolerant of dry places. In that they can also grow where salt concentration is high, they are also termed halophytes. These grasses are strong, resilient, and great for weaving. When we pull them up to make use of them, they can no longer tether the sand, and the dunes flourish and ship further into the firth, further into the land. 
these shifting, spreading dunes were disquieting, and so we planted Corsican pines to keep the dunes in place. When she's older, this botanist still walks long distances on many days. She's tired, although she never says it out loud, and she still never complains. The woods of Coleman are quiet, quiet in that they rustle and stretch. Near the shore, the trees grow in the sand, binding earth to sand dunes, and they dig down as far as they can, stretch as far as they can, and they are precarious, in their own way crumulsed and dwarfed, kept smaller by the environs they grow in. Their size does not proclaim their age or their endurance, but the dunes and the trees are in abeyance of the sea. The water is beyond, a sound she fancies she can hear as it travels through the trees and over the thin forest floor that is vulnerable to any small footfall, any exuberant burst through these old pines and over a delicate, perishable carpet of rare lichen. On a rectangular patch of ground grows thin grass, and on the slight slope of Scott's pine beyond scatters a small population of wintergreens, which remain hidden until you are nearly upon them. Only a few inches high, when photographed, each flower looks far more robust than it is when you get down on your knees to get a closer look, or perhaps to touch its delicate form. You wouldn't know it was rare to see it, with a white, unassuming flower revealing itself downwards like a joyful secret, each waxy petal singular too. This woman might describe this flower as being the most beautiful member of our native flora, with small, roundish basal leaves and a single stem, topped by a wide open flower of five waxy petals, a lime green ovary style and stigma and orange anthers. That's the thing. You need to know enough about what you see. You have to slow down and witness and pay attention to gain that knowledge. Without it, you are a tourist and you are liable to be frivolous, destructive. This woman has stuck to paths out of a deference to what grows here until she arrives in this place and then she delves into the collocation of trees. Scots pines and Corsicans and so much space between that the light easily breaks through to the ground when the clouds break enough for there to be sunlight. And she thinks she can't like any other forest but this one. In Sitka Plantation, the trees grow so thick and close to the ground that they leave no room for light or for a single figure to move like stealth itself between the trunks. You can't travel through those young, fast trees like she travels through these older trees, her head bent low, sending her arms slightly out to the side for balance as she walks, looking. Rare, wild, beautiful, and sometimes common. Every day you might need to slow down to notice them. Among these trees we find Monessus uniflower, delicate lichens, and the more common lesser wintergreen, resembling a pink lily of the valley with roundish shining leaves, and also serrated wintergreen with one-sided flower stem of little green bells. This woman leans her rucksack against a Corsican and thinks that this would be a good place for a memorial, here among her wintergreen. After a day of walking and searching and finding, she rests on a fallen tree that is cushioned by summer green, and together they are protected here by the sea. She settles down, her bones loosening a tether, and her muscles and skin growing light and lifting like loose soil, like dust, and the dappled light through the trees is silent but not still, and a quiet breeze breathes through the trunks like a wild, held, and released breath, which rustles the trees high up, and near the ground, and movement ripples the field of lichen, and these delicate single-flowered beauties, they tremble, 
alert to the subtlest shift of anything. It is for her they tremble, and for you and me, and yet, even when we look for them, we might miss them, perhaps even trample them down into the cushion of needles they push through and flourish in. But our ignorance, our oversight, our lack of knowledge does not change what is here. These delicate, rare, everyday flowers are alive, trembling in the breath of the forest for this single witness. I was interested in doing something that was the commonplace in the everyday, and I was interested in doing something that was outside. A lot seemed to be very political and politically grounded, which is really great, but also I wondered about the radical and the magnificent and the everyday, and these things, these people that don't seem extraordinary but are. I mean, if you know the Women's Library, you know that there's been an artistic vein running through for quite some time and a background, and it feels in some ways like this project has allowed that to come to the fore and to celebrate 21 years, which it's been such a resource. Thank you for downloading this free 21 Revolutions Glasgow Women's Library podcast. To find out more about 21 Revolutions, visit our website at womenslibrary.org.uk. There you can find out about the 21 women writers and the 21 women artists who have produced limited edition artworks available to buy from the library while stocks last. You can also find out more about what we do, why we are special and how you can support us. It's all online at womenslibrary.org.uk.